Welcome, welcome, welcome to another great episode of My Shot of Life with your co-host Steven and... Victor. Victor, thanks for joining me. Uh, glad I could be in my own house. Awesome. So, this week, we're going to be talking about nostalgia, the pros, the cons, and the effects it has on us. We will be sipping on one of the juicy Labatt Blue Lights. This is a nostalgia favorite for you, right? Absolutely. We decided uh, about five minutes before recording (laughs) that we were going to drink Labatt Blue Light because it invokes in me this feeling of nostalgia, of the good times of college, discovering the greatest light beer in the world. Even even the good times of whenever we uh, went to Pennsylvania together. So uh, that reminds me of all the cold pepperoni bread that we had to heat up with our bodies. <laughs> good times, good times. Uh, but yeah, so Labatt Blue Light, that is by Labatt Brewing in Buffalo, New York. One of the greatest light beers of all time, but uh, we don't want to let our bias get in the way too early. So you want to go ahead and pop this open? Old school here. Sounds good. Not really much of a clink, but... Cheers. Cheers. Ugh, so smooth. It really is, man. I mean, for for a light beer... Canadian Pilsner, it's, my friend. It, I would say it's probably better than Boss Beer, Boss Light, <laughs> and Sprint <laughs> and Light. Sprint. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this week we're talking on Toilet Talk... About bidets, uh, if we've used them, uh, what we think about them, and their potential future use in the United States, maybe? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, when we get done with that, we'll wrap up our discussion and rating on Labatt Blue Light, Canadian Pilsner. Mm. Mm. So, nostalgia. We've all had it. We all do have it. I would say it's partially why Star Wars came back, right? Yeah, probably played an influence. Well, I know whenever I was a kid, and I, you know, we we're already talking into Star Wars, and that's that's, I guess not, it's not a shock. Um, grew up watching Star Wars as a kid with my dad, and I think uh, whenever it came back out when they re- revitalized it, it was one of those things where it was it was a bonding thing, um, and so maybe that's how we connected. You know, that's uh, by having that movie come back out and actually just seeing the lightsabers. That was how how great it was as a kid, just seeing people fight with lightsabers invokes a little bit of a childhood memory of being outside playing outdoors yeah and that definitely makes sense uh that feeling of nostalgia which is some a sort of wistful or sentimental yearning as they say merriam webster thank you uh for return to or of some past period or irrevocable condition also something that evokes nostalgia it is nostalgic it definitely plays a part in today's society and growing up in taking us back to the past those experiences that we've had previously and uh, makes us feel good first and foremost that's the big one there so do you think it's important for our society to to have that the nostalgia moments or is it that we're relying too much on how we felt in the past uh, and that's that is the question And, and in all of the research that we put into this episode i think a lot of the articles that we read uh touched on both factors a lot of them were discussing the fact that individuals in today's society are experiencing nostalgia more and more and it's uh it's addicting so 
the positive parts are that it does impact us in a positive way. It influences us to be more social, you know, it takes us back to those times. We bond with people over these nostalgic events. Um, and also, uh, as some of the articles discuss too, they in- have this impact on individuals where they're willing to do things or spend their money or part with their money for this feeling of nostalgia. A rekindling of some sort of feeling they've previously had in their life. It's like you know what you're going to feel whenever you see something that I guess that brings up those kind of memories. So if I can, I'll use the example of whenever I pass the CPA exam, we get a bonus for passing the CPA exam. uh, And then as soon as we passed it. I wasn't even waiting for the check to come in to get my bonus. I I saw that there was a new Pokemon game. And this is this is how lame I was. I mean, I think I was 23 at the time. But as soon as I passed the exam, the very next day I went out and bought a 3DS and then bought Pokemon because it reminded me of being that 12-year-old kid playing his Game Boy at his grandma's house and then just, like, passing the hours every day, you know, just playing, getting new batteries and... Or freaking out because you're trying to save the game and the battery's dying and then you're in the car on the way to a relative's house whenever you're younger. Just all those feelings of just enjoying that time. Even if it's enjoying time by yourself. I was so fond of of, uh, playing that game as a kid. And that's not the only game. You know, we have... uh, What's a game that comes to your mind whenever you're, you're thinking of nostalgic video games? You know, it's tough to think of. I think for me... I mean, it could start as early as the Super Nintendo just playing Street Fighter. Anytime I'm playing Street Fighter 2, or Super Street Fighter 2, rather, it takes me back to my brother. You know, he's a little older than me, and he was always way better than I was. But regardless, we would just play for hours Super Nintendo. Um, uh, I guess N64 is probably the biggest one for me. We would. What game? Like uh, Mario Kart or? I think a lot of the games. I mean, you've got your classics like Pokemon Stadium, which brought in at later points you could connect your actual Game Boy game. Oh, yeah, and you could speed it up if you you got so far in the tournament. Yeah, so it was kind of cool with that, but specifically Gauntlet Legends was a game. Yeah, for N64. A great multiplayer game. And it takes me back. And these are some of the memories that invoke nostalgia where. You know, I think back to Christmas mornings, you know, years ago, and we had already gotten, uh, we already had the gauntlet game, but my brother and I would wake up super early like most kids do, you know, 4 or 5 a.m., go downstairs, check out the hall, and then we would sit patiently, my brother and I, and play gauntlet for three, three or four hours until our parents got up and then we could actually open presents. So it's just like taking you back to that moment. You know, you have yeah. such good memories there. And I'll, I'll even say, uh, I guess it was last year or two years ago for Christmas, my my grandmother plays video games. So she's, um, she doesn't shy away Super from playing hip. games. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Uh, and so she had a 3DS and I bought her Legend of Zelda, which they kind of remastered, made for the 3DS. I got her that for Christmas one year because... Her and I played that same game on the N64 together. And she printed off the walkthrough. We had like a 70-page walkthrough of Oracle of Time. Is it Ocarina of Time? Yeah. 
uh, and and just crush the game over you know months of playing because it's such a big game. So that meant a lot to me, or I was hoping that it meant a lot to her, and I, I think it did. And not only that, but this week I, w- I wanted to don't want to talk about gaming too much, but this week Burnout Paradise is making a remastered version. So EA Sports is making a remastered version of that. And that was a game me and one of my little brothers played all the time. And I just remember sitting hours and hours in front of the TV and, you know, playing together and laughing and having a, a great time. So to me, that that sort of, um, that sort of, th- those games and, and having that sort of uh, bonding, it, mean, it means a lot to me. So whenever thinking about going back and getting those, or like even buying it, it does invoke those memories. And it, it makes me feel good again. And there's things too, you know, it, it's it's all memory related, you know, you associate these things with positive memories in the past, most of the time, I would assume, you don't want to be nostalgic, you know, remembering times in the past that were negative, I think that's probably something totally different, Dep- <laughs> depression, I don't, I don't know, but, um, you know, another thing for me, you get, you know, we've covered games, maybe we're looking at things along the lines that aren't you know, th- money related, I guess. Um, one of them kind of is, you know, uh, with food with me specifically uh, in, in some tradition. So I'm going to start with the first one was my first kiss. Uh, I was almost five at the time. So, I mean, I count it, count it, put it on the board. But it was the thing of like, you know, as a young kid, you weren't allowed a ton of sugary foods so fun dip for me was like the one it's it's a sugar stick that you lick and dip into flavored sugar and then you I'm, eat it right i'm not sure where you're where you're getting at yet. all right so just wait for this so <laughs> the, we weren't fun allowed dip it. and then kissing we were not allowed sounds it like two different growing up right we weren't allowed gross we weren't allowed it growing up and neither was my female neighbor who was around the same age as i was so I was able to acquire some fun dip on the black market, kid on the street corner. You know, I gave him my allowance money, 50 cents, and he just, you know, made sure the cops weren't around, hooked me up with a pack of fun dip, and I split it with this girl, and she was so excited that she gave me a kiss. So that's that's one. So every so time every I time have see fun dip, I see fun dip. I don't have to have it. I don't want it anymore. I don't like sugar yeah. in the way that I did when I was younger. Um, but... It just makes me think of that. It takes me back to my first kiss. I don't even care about the first kiss at this point. I care about the fact that Fun Dip brings me back to that moment. So that's pretty cool. And then on the traditional side, making Christmas cookies with the fam. You know, they weren't that great. They were homemade, standard cookie dough. We would color them different colors and had our cookie cutters and whatnot. But it's just getting the whole crew in the kitchen making those Christmas cookies and we went a few years while my brother and I were in school in college where we didn't make them and then one year we decided let's do it again and it was like it was just like old times just taking us back to elementary school and middle school when we didn't have a care in the world and we were just making cookies around Christmas you got any good ones like that Steve traditions I don't know if I have any related off the top of my head food related my mom will make the same dish for me every well I ask her to make it every birthday so that kind of invokes a little bit of uh childhood memories of living back with the family and 
and being able to spend more time with them so that you know puts me in a pretty safe and comfortable space but it's it's not the same thing as what you're what you're getting at i guess like watching baseball sometimes makes me remember and, and maybe that's why i feel i feel so connected to watching the red Sox play baseball is that i used to watch it with both sides of my family i've said this before on the podcast where my mom married two different guys who both like the red Sox. uh fortunately not at the same time not this <laughs> no she was this uh but I mean, but it worked out, and uh, you know we got to enjoy the sport together. So it, I guess it does make me remember some of the good times that I spent with both of my fathers, as well as some of my brothers watching some games. And and even whenever we go out to a game, it, uh, I get to remember some of those times that we had going to the different stadiums whenever uh, whenever I was younger. So that's I mean that's something that's that's non. I mean I guess you could say it's financially related when you're paying for the ticket, but it's more of a an event or a situation or experience i guess rather than like a video game and that's something you continue to do today right you go to sporting events all the time with your brothers and your and your dads and uh definitely not as much as i used to because they would pay for it and then i would definitely (laughs) go with them it's a little different but now i have to pay for it it doesn't happen as frequently but it's still nice i know your dad comes to visit raleigh goes to state games all the time with you yeah that's yeah it's good yeah, that's it. Um, so that's that's something. Movies were something that was always big in our household. And so watching certain movies. And the the first one that comes off the top of my head is Anchorman, for sure. We could quote Anchorman by line in that movie. And again, I've seen this movie with both sides of my family. And we all love it. And it's one of the movies that we can just... We can just say a line from the movie in random conversation. And you know the other person definitely knows what's going on. That and Wedding Crashers probably ranks up there. Uh, highest nostalgic movies, yeah, so at least for me. Yeah, and we've been playing off of this idea of like the interconnectedness of the events, like certain movies or foods or uh, events occur that take you back to those moments of that bonding experience that you're sharing with other people. And so we're going to touch on some other senses, I think, um, and the I mean, maybe it'll just be me but with this one, but um, the sense of smell, I think, is a big one for me. And this is going to sound really weird. Is it like an old grandma smell? Because no, I can picture that. No, I did have an ex-girlfriend who wore a really strong perfume that was like super grandma-like. Ooh. And so... Did she also wear granny panties? No, she did not. But... Did they make granny thongs? That's not what we're here to talk about. That's not, okay. Um, So the sense of smell, if you went to high school with me, you'll know that I was a little weird. I mean, I still am, but this was probably one of the stranger things that I did. Um, Stranger things. Oh, that was a callback, right, to the show? Sure was. Nostalgic nostalgic throwback to the 80s, which I did not live through, but love very much. Hashtag on purpose. Yes. Cultural go, appropriation. Go, go, go ahead. Um, what you're saying. So this whole smell thing, right? I would smell people, and eventually I was able to associate certain people's fabric softeners with certain people by brand. Uh, not necessarily. I don't think I'd identify them by brand, but like I would catch a whiff of something in the air, and I would know who was near me. I don't know if this is just like me having a ridiculous sense of smell or like 
having these uh this strange ability or desire like i enjoy things that smell good just like every other person but now i'll catch a whiff of different fabric softeners and i will think back to those specific people from high school that used to use those fabric softeners and so i'm not necessarily nostalgic about it but it's just something that has the power to pull me back to those moments of um knowing other people's sense i guess Kind of a weird thing, but um, a little bit. I thought you were just gonna say you walked around sniffing girls' hair or something, no, and then you could just identify which girl was without looking at them. That's a little, little <laughs> too far. If they lined up, you could just pick them out. Hey, Sarah, she has the best hair. <laughs> uh, I know that's Garnier Fructis, man. <laughs> that stuff, high dollar. She spends money on it. I so if we got away from the actual, our own personal experiences of nostalgia. How long do you think one would have to live before they start recalling nostalgic um, experiences or ex- nostalgic? That's, uh, that's a great question. Triggering. triggering uh, so, in some of the studies that we read for this, um, a lot of folks who experience nostalgia are looking back a minimum of a decade. I, th- um, I was actually going to say that. That's but, how I feel. Yeah, there were some studies that actually showed that eight-year-olds were able to comprehend and feel nostalgic about, like... Diapers. But the thing is, like, you don't have memories at that point. Like, I, I, at least me, I don't have memories of, like, my first two and a half, three years. Yeah. So they're n- being nostalgic about less than five years ago. And it's like, man... That's great. Maybe it's because they're starting school. And yeah, the, well, man, they, it used they, to be so much easier yeah, to just crawl you know, around. They were in kindergarten and they were coloring, and now they're in like Maybe. third grade and they're like doing I was, math. I just feel like, well, well, I think now kids are more self-aware than they were in the past. At least whenever we were younger. I don't want to speak for you, but for me, I don't, I, I don't recall really know what was going on. I thought, well, I think everyone thinks adults know everything. Especially whenever you're not an adult, mm. and then you soon realize that now kids at a younger age are being exposed to more these days. Yeah, maybe, maybe they're being exposed more to the uh, realism of of the uh, our environment, and so kids aren't sugarcoating adulthood, or they're not glorifying what it would be to become an adult, and so they're kind of finding their place in the world, and they're realizing that they're just just a regular person, you know. Just like everyone else. They are special snowflakes, Stephen, and don't you forget that. That's what the parents are trying to tell tell them these days. Oh, I, I heard that that was why Norway was doing so well in the Olympics. Why? Because they're all the way up to age 13, they would tell their kids that winning didn't matter. But then at the age of 13, or I guess around that That's age. That's all that mattered. Well, I don't think it was that, but I think the kids were... I guess the the idea was that no, now winning does matter. But then for the kids, it was always like no, winnings always mattered. This is ridiculous. <laughs> they figured but, it out for themselves. Yeah, I don't it's know also that's true, that though. Norway is Norway, and this is the Winter Olympics. Yeah, Let's, so it's really cold. Even we'll, that we'll challenge really... them at the Summer Games and see what happens. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So back to the point you were trying to make, I guess, was you know how far back do these things go? And so something that companies take advantage of is that that uh, idea that people are nostalgic for things about a decade back and so we grew up and I'm sure you've had it and you were just pulling up pictures here recently of Surge 
Uh, Surge Soda, man. Surge Soda, kind of a high energy drink. It was from almost. The, was it the late nineties, mid to late nineties? I think it was late nineties. It had to have been early two thousands too. And so they eventually brought it back um, because there was so much nostalgia for it. And I mean, I'll, I will be the first to admit that you know I followed along when they brought it back, and I was like the first person to to go get it when they when they was it as good as you you remember it being? <sighs> I, no. I honestly thought it was a glorified mellow yellow, but a little more caffeine. I would say more caffeine, more kind of leaning more towards the Mountain Dew type flavor. But what about Vault, dude? I don't even remember this drink. I mean, I, I remember it now. Introduced in two thousand and five. Wow, got it until two thousand. And then there was a urge. Never heard of that. Holy cow! So there was a surge, and then there was a urge. That's not the same. That's not the same company, is it? That looks like very European. I don't know, but if you guys want to buy country of origin, from, Norway from Norway, that's what's they're winning that's the Olympics the urge. because of urge. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys want to order us a case of urge, we'll try it out and review it on the show. That'll be our next drink. Yeah, feel free to send it to us at our not my house address. Maybe we'll get, a, we'll get a PO PO box or something. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, man. Unabomber stuff here. No thanks. But uh, yeah, so I mean, companies out there are using these nostalgia effects that things have from the past. Because they they us. know they know that people remember the branding and they're like, oh well, I, I'm familiar with this already. You don't have to. I, for them, I think it's they don't have to press something new, get you to get comfortable with a new product. There was already an existing product that just for whatever reason cease to exist with surge i honestly couldn't tell you why it canceled because I, th- I thought the demand was pretty good maybe when they started cutting down some of the cat the uh sugar and some of the drinks yeah maybe that they took one of the hits there but i guess another big one is even current products uh a couple years ago there was i guess it was it alexa or google or an iphone i don't remember what it specifically it was for but it was for some sort of technology and i realized that Sesame Street is still on today, but they used the Cookie Monster as the cookie, cookie, cookie. They used the Cookie Monster as the person or thing, the Muppet, not a Muppet. That does the voice. No, they used the actual puppet of the Cookie Monster oh, yeah. in the commercial. Mm-hmm. He was like baking cookies, and he told his iPhone or oh, whatever yeah. to set a timer mm-hmm. for whatever, and so. You know they're still using that today. They know the people who are purchasing this technology today are the people who grew up watching Sesame Street, which is still happening. I understand that, but the kids are going to see it. They're going to be like, "Oh man, Sesame Street! I need whatever that product is, even though I probably can't use it." And then adults are going to see it and be like, "Man, Sesame Street! You know the company who's advertising for this must like Sesame Street. I don't know, but it has that nostalgic effect to pull you back." And maybe make you think about getting the product. Do you think it's just a cop out if you can't think of a good way to market a product? Um, the two biggest cop outs, a friend of mine went to school for marketing and she said in all of their projects in marketing and advertising, they were not allowed to use sex or babies. So mm. nostalgia was allowed, but sex and babies. But what about rock and roll or drugs? No, drugs sell themselves. Yeah, well, well, I think drugs use the sex route. Yeah, the uh, sex appeal and stuff. 
I guess that that is a pretty easy way to sell stuff. I guess, I guess with uh, babies, you just oh my god, it's so cute. Look at it, and I want that for my baby. Or so what about uh, I guess things stemming off of that? You know, maybe vintage items. You know, a lot of people go through these phases. Pinball machines. Pinball machines. People buying video game machines for their house. I was thinking uh, record players. That's been a big. I mean, uptick. And I don't know I mean, if you that's look at because some records and how much they cost. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't know if that's because it's a nostalgia thing or if it's actually the sound quality. People would say it's warmer sounding, warmer sounding, warmer, warmer. But I don't know if that's if that has something to do with it. Maybe. Definitely possible. I mean, everything's gonna play in there. Sound quality, vintage. Some people just want to show off that they have. This cool old yeah. stuff. What else? And what else comes off the top of your head? Old cars. Def classic cars. That's a big one. Um, I think it's Quaaludes. <laughs> Gosh, I wish those were. No, I don't. I do not wish those were still around. <laughs> but I think it would be kind of fun. Um, <laughs> to go to sleep. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about the impact on the just the market today for those items you know you find these old things that typically will not work as good as or as, as good well. gosh as well as a current day product or current technology or in the case of cars specifically you know these things are running on fuel and just the exhaust system diesel yeah it, they're terrible for the the environment and and everything that they're releasing into the atmosphere it just was not on par with the requirements that we have out there today so just why like why why are people willing to spend the money i understand sometimes it's a rarity thing these items are few and far between there's only a few left people are willing to spend the money for those items but it just from a practicality standpoint, it doesn't make sense. Uh, I've seen collectibles. People collect toys, cars, stamps. Video games. Video games. Any Anything, really. Chairs. They're toenail clippings. <laughs> Gross. Um, I don't know if that brings nostalgia or not. I hope not. Maybe that... So the question that you're asking, why are people doing it? If that brings nostalgia, is that what you're saying? Yeah. I guess. I, that, I don't know what other solution there is, unless they just want to show it off. Some people are impressed by those sort of things, and so by having... And I like using the car example for that purpose. You can't really show off with having 30-year-old video games or uh, Star Wars dolls from the 1970s. You can to the right people. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I guess you're right. Uh, so it might be a status thing for depending on uh, what your collectible. That's a is. great point. So it's not even at some points. It's not even for that feeling of nostalgia. It's just so that they can brag or show off yeah. to other people. Hey, I have this, which is disgusting. But you know it happens. So there's that. I think I want to hit on real quick the actual. Uh, physiological impact that nostalgia has if you don't mind and then we can maybe see a, a couple example further examples of nostalgia but um so nostalgic experiences stimulate certain metabolic activity 
uh, within the brain. Uh, and I believe dopamine is going to be released in that as well. I could totally understand yeah. why. They, they hit the uh, sense of comfort pleasure centers pretty well. Hippocampus uh, specifically has a lot of blood flow in that region, according to studies and science. Um, but that's that's pretty much what happens. It's it's the same thing as um, doing doing drugs, I guess. And and that was the one negative that I, there weren't a ton of negatives that I noticed from all of our research. But the one negative was that nostalgia can be addictive, and in some ways detract from as all the hippie people say, living in the moment or like you know living in the present being present for things and um it's, it, it yeah. can detract from it's, that well i already think that we're we're in a stage right now where there's an overabundance of marketing techniques to to show us the the uh nostalgia ways of the of the 90s it's getting to the 90s now right so it wasn't the 80s for a good three or four years maybe even longer than that stranger things came out they just remade it they have a bunch of other remade movies from the 80s, I believe. Uh, Karate Kid came out in the 2010s or whatever. And and now it's getting to the point where, it, well, it's I guess it's so glaringly obvious from a consumer standpoint. For me, whenever I go to the grocery store and then I see Star Wars tissue boxes, I think that's a little bit too much, and then you're kind of killing a brand. So then it's, even if I have, I'm like, oh, Star Wars, yeah, like... You know, there's a amount of nostalgia that you can hit and then max out, and then whenever you have more than that, it starts. It's a the more you see it after this max, after you hit the peak, you know, it starts declining. Yeah, um, the impact on you, right? An economic so, term for that, I can't remember. Diminishing returns. That's the one. Uh, and so what you're saying is, per the uh, the psychological article that you read, the dopamine is being triggered by seeing or feeling or remembering some of the nostalgic whatever it is that's triggering triggering the nostalgia in your life or in your memory and i think that is 100 percent accurate up to a point and yeah. then at that point it diminishes because there's an overabundance or a you're you're uh subjecting yourself to too much of it yeah and now no longer loses holds the its same effect. yes it loses its effect it's too much on you definitely so I think another thing that we looked at that's kind of about this living in the present is that there's not there are more and more opportunities to not do so and these companies like your Twitters and your Instagrams and your Snapchats you know when you're taking these pictures right the digital camera gave us the opportunity to relive moments only moments after they actually occurred right so you pull up, you take pictures on your digital camera. This is years ago. Now your cell phone, because um, that's the day and age we live in. And you can immediately go back and look at them. Or in a couple, couple days, go back and look at them. And so we've lost this ability to really live in the moment and absorb what's, what's going on around us. We're too busy with this. Part of it's social status, and part of it is you know wanting that ability you're bookmarking nostalgic moments you're saying oh my gosh i want to take a picture of this and then 
because you know that 10 years down the road, you're going to be able to look at that picture and it'll take you back to that moment. Um, so I understand the point of the pictures and all the apps that are out there right now. But at the same time, we're losing the ability to really, it wasn't something that people thought about back in the day. They didn't want to like show off to people what they're doing just to do so. So I think that's, that's kind of a problem that we're running into today with nostalgia is that everybody's so quick to jump on it and be like, I know I want to remember this moment forever. And I get it. But for me, whenever you, when we talk about this, I always wonder if the thinking about nostalgia, because we, we've talked about the benefits of it. We've talked about how it kind of pushed down on us a lot because of marketing. How much do you think that uh, nostalgia is is bad in the sense that you're living in the past as opposed to what you're saying is living in the now? So you're thinking right now, the way you're thinking right now is I want to do this now so I can take pictures and I can preserve the memory and then kind of relive it in the future. But when we're looking at nostalgia in the present day, we're looking back at it in the past. How much is it now that we are living in the past from reliving these moments and then having that feeling, um, the, the rushes of dopamine and then going back for more and more because we want to feel good instead of developing ourselves as a person and gaining the, or getting different experiences in the present day? I think it would be interesting to see if there were any studies out there on that. You have to imagine that at some point there's just too much nostalgia. The benefits are out there and they are researched. Um, you know, you're looking back on these events, you have this feeling of optimism afterward. They had one of the studies, they had people write about events that they experienced in a positive light in the past. And then they had people just write about you know, something, something that was going on currently, whatever. And the, the, the ar articles or the paragraphs that these people wrote about the nostalgic events, uh, they ran it through a word processor and it picked out all of the words that had to do with optimism and positive thoughts. And it significantly outweighed in those nostalgic paragraphs, the paragraphs that the people wrote about just regular everyday things. It's, it's proven that it is beneficial to you. You will feel better. But like you said, at what point is it just you're doing yourself a disservice by living so heavily in the past? And I think that is something that could be researched a little better. So as we said, it's both beneficial and it also has its consequences. Sure does. I um, think... I guess one last thing there, you know, one of the more nostalgic things for me was uh, looking back to when I studied abroad in Italy in college and, uh, you know, we get into the, the dorms there and walk into the bathroom and there's this weird foreign object in the toilet. And I was like, what is this hole in the toilet? And uh, it was a bidet. So I have a certain nostalgia for bidets. My first experience was while I was over in, in Europe. And do they have segways in Europe? Uh, they might be called segways there. I don't know. We are going to segue our way into toilet talk. Oh, brought to you by... Segways. Where you can easily move about... 
And now with a toilet attachment. Yeah. Bidets. I've never used one. You're missing out. Where, man. where do you even go to get one in the United States? So I've never. I've been different countries via cruise, a cruise line. Jamaica. I've been to the Bahamas. Maybe I've. I've yeah, I've been to Jamaica. Okay, places pretty in sure the I've been to Jamaica. Yeah, in the Caribbean. Caribbean. Yeah, but nice. those places, as you may know, and those listeners that are listening now, I don't think they have bidets out there. It's certainly. But we don't have bidets here either, though, so I'm not speaking ill of them. Yeah, I'm just. I mean, just... as far as I know, okay, let's get this out of the way first. A bidet, for those of you who are not familiar, is a low <laughs> oval basin used for washing one's genital and anal area. So it could have been more pleasant in the description. Could have been more pleasant. But I mean it's the panerium, inner buttocks, and anus. Yes. Yeah, I like that. It's uh I don't I don't know how to explain it. I mean, it's Did definitely it, more common in Europe and Asia for sure. I mean, they have some crazy stuff over in Asia. The toilets there are ridiculous. That's for another day. But we can talk about bidets and uh you know, a lot of times it's just for general cleanliness. I feel like they value that over there. Not that we don't in well, the United States, but it's just an easier way to as someone to who's never clean used the grundle area and doesn't really understand the process of how they work. Um, I will be asking you a series of questions about oh, how this works and then and what stage when you get done using the bathroom, do you use toilet? Just out of habit, yes. So they do, whenever you're in Europe and they have bidets next to the toilet, they they have toilet paper next to the toilet as well? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, It's so not you, like, an, they're not mutually exclusive. Oh, right? okay, so I thought it was a, you know, you finish and then it's you, sp- you spray it like a, like yeah. a fire hose. <laughs> yeah. Just soak it down. Yeah, I mean, some of them are, are pretty crazy and have well, hoses and stuff. Others are just literally a basin with, you know, a nozzle that you kind of turn on and off and adjust the pressure. Yeah, I want that. It looks like a, a water hose inside your bathroom. But that looks like the pressure might be a little bit too hard. Does it Does it just, like, kind of shoot up like a water fountain? Like, is you, that you soft? You can adjust the nozzle. Yeah, and and it's not does It's it not going to, like, give you an enema. It's not that kind of pressure. Do you see this one here? Mm-hmm. So we're looking at one right now that looks like it's some sort of attachment. Whoa, whoa, look at that, dude. It's like a little exactly. water gun. Yeah, so it, it's kind of an angled but attachment you, that you place. But do you line that up with your anus? Yeah. I mean, you, you ideally you get, you, the get whole, on the back. you get the whole area. Now, this is where being naked on the toilet comes in handy. Certainly does. Because Steve's most comfortable <laughs> position, even to this day. I'm just saying, like, you don't want to get water all over your clothes. True. And you don't want to spray, like, poo juice or yeah. particles on on your uh, clothing so yeah dirty water i'm but, just i'm just advocating for i mean uh, they have so the ones we had were actually built into the toilets over in italy um they also have ones here specifically in the u.s or or anywhere i guess you can get an attachment for your toilet you hook it up yourself and it's kind of a series of hoses and attachments that turn your toilet into a bidet attachment and then they also have separate bidets that are actual basins um to it's basically a separate toilet minus the whole flushing thing it's more of a sink at that point um but it's designed for the 
cleanliness of the undercarriage. Now, you sent me a picture not too long ago of, I guess, the toilet or the bidets in Korea. That That is correct. There's and a lot of talk with the Olympics going on right now of the sophistication of the bidet options in Korea. And uh, it looks like they have some <laughs> some very interesting pictures of, I guess, well, for for people who are coming in from the United States to Korea, more than likely don't know Korean. So having picture uh, uh, buttons with with uh, illustrations, yeah, rather um, on on their bidets. And I guess like there was three different pictures, and one had like a butt spread open, and then I can't remember the other two, but I thought it was really funny. One and was just a stream of water, and the other was specifically a woman cleaning her gooch. So <laughs> I don't know if those are gooch. Sorry, uh, it was something. But I'm gonna I will post that on the My Shot of Life website for you guys to check out. Tell us what you think about it. Yeah, learn about bidets. They're pretty great. I definitely recommend, and you can buy one. You can buy an uh, attachment for your for your normal uh, toilet seat, sure your can. toilet, um, just toilet itself. Yeah, it's not a difficult process to install, from what I understand. Well, how much would you spend on one? Because you currently do not have one, so there's a clear understanding that you haven't, you know, you either haven't done the research point, or you don't want it bad enough. It, at this point, that is exactly... It, it's a want versus a need situation for me. If I ever remodel my master bath, I will will be getting a bidet toilet combo going on. Uh, I just think it's a good benefit to have. I suggest getting one with a with a command center and a remote control. Bunch of knobs on it mm-hmm. to control the stream. So you're you are in favor 100% of 100% the United States adopting the code of the bidet. bidet. Yeah. Universal bidet. Absolutely. I think it's it's clean. It's a cleanly way to I I really wish I could even touch on the subject, but I've never even used one and I don't know if I've ever been in a position where I could have used one. I mean, we've recently um I mean, you use butt wipes, right? Yeah. And, and so do I on occasion, and it gives you a, a very similar feeling of freshness. You know, you don't have those where you're... Where well, all right, all right, I have another question, another great question, I think, actually. When you get done using the bidet, do you wipe again? got to dry off. Right? I'm sure some of them have, like, some sort of air-blowing oh, option yeah. on them. That's, see, that's what we're missing, because if you're not drying off then you're just as bad as it spraying up into your clothes. It yeah. could just soak through your clothes. Yeah. That's a valid uh, argument. So I don't know if people are thinking about this stuff. Hopefully, th- well, if you're timing your poops perfectly where you're, you know, pooping and then going in the shower and taking a shower after that, then you don't need a bidet. Sure don't. But right? how many of you us just go do down, that? touch your ankles, and let that water spray you in the butt, right? Yeah. I don't do that. <laughs> sure. I'm kidding, but if you're not doing that, if you're not pooping and then taking a shower, then you're just, just going about your day. Or if you're taking a shower and then pooping, which, you know, you might as well go back to bed at this point. Start your whole day over. But, yeah, so That's advocating solid. for bidets. Solid Victor, point. 2020. Definitely. That's my campaign slogan. 
bidet or I don't know bidet good day to bidet that's right every day is a good day to bidet all right all right so let's do our weekly plug here of the Raleigh Rambler real quick anyone out there finds themselves in the Raleigh area looking for love looking for beer looking to run yeah we got you covered with the Raleigh Rambler definitely if you're just here traveling for some time or if you live here check out the Raleigh Rambler podcast available on our website and on SoundCloud every Sunday afternoon it'll give you a listing of events that are occurring in the upcoming week starting on the Monday after the episode airs so you can listen on Sunday plan out your whole week as far as what events you're going to go ahead and and take on that week and then uh, enjoy them get out get involved have some fun and remember guys we're doing this free of charge so if you have any recommendations for what you would like to see in the future with the Raleigh Rambler feel free to shout us out at uh, myshylife.com our email address or any of our social media accounts definitely so wrapping up the episode with Labatt Blue Light Labatt review. Blue Light. It's a big one. The greatest beer of all time. All right, so are we rating this on a light blue, a light blue, a light beer rating, or are we rating this on just a regular beer? I think that we should maybe have a separate light beer list eventually. No. Well, I want the no. people to understand just... that just because it is a, a great light beer doesn't make it a great beer. True. You know, um, we're gonna we're gonna go heavy for IPAs all day. I, I know, and then Vic even loves sours, which loves I sour think beers. tastes like sweaty. That's not sweaty. Sweaty socks. No, that's anything right. that makes you pucker up, like your mama. Whoa, gross. Uh, <laughs> like sour patch kids. Oh. Whatever happened to the cabbage patch kids? You got the cabbage. They were patch. eating. Do you think cabbage patch kids would eat sour patch kids? What about the garbage pail kids? You remember those they cabbage the- patch kids that like they had to recall because they were the ones that ate stuff? No. Like, like plastic eat- food and like kids would stick their finger in there and the motor would just crush their fingers. Seriously? Yeah, they That's had to amazing. recall them. And Furbies? We didn't talk about Furbies either. Nostalgia. Well. There you go. That's a good wind up of the episode. How about that? But to the rating because we got detracted slightly. Labatt Blue Light. I'm going to give it a 2.75 as a regular beer. Regular beer, out I'm, of five. Gonna get, I'm giving it a 3.0 out of 5. Okay. It is close to my heart. Nostalgia has no impact on the rating, but you will never, I promise you, never hear me rate another light beer greater than a 3.0. Unless any like local brewers are out there that have a light beer, which is rare and weird, but if you do, send it over. We'll, we'll give it a taste test, and we'll see how it compares to the best light beer on the market, Labatt Blue Light. Not a sponsor. In a separate list, what do you rate Labatt Blue Light with all the light beers out there? With the Sprints and the Bud Lights and the Miller Lights? <laughs> Labatt, for me, is a 4.8 on the light beer scale. That is that's a good rating, guys. It, it's a high recommendation for anyone who wants to get... I mean, uh, it is just... it's crisp refreshing just the right amount of carbonation the flavor is there as far as canadian pilsners go they are superior in every way 
to whatever whatever Coors is doing. They, Coors is water, so, I mean, there's no flavor there at all. But it's a perfect combination of flavor, but not too much, not that it's overwhelming, to take away the refreshing, just ice cold. You heard that pop at the top of the show of the can cracking. Ugh. Just takes me back, man. Nostalgia out the waz, taking me to beer Olympics years ago, <laughs> slugging them down like they're water. Coming in Come, second. Hey, I came in. I don't. I don't even second? remember. You came in first. Iceland team. won. Yeah, My so, team was Iceland two years ago. We dominated. Oh yeah. And uh, Labatt Blue Light, we have to thank for that. Thanks to Labatt Blue. Uh, Not a sponsor. I'd rate it a four point four because I reserve the right to say that there might be a better beer out there um i don't know that so you know we might max out at 4.4 if we ever try any other light beers uh but there's there's a big a great big world out there and uh you know hope to hope to try something different in the future maybe you can sway my opinion but I right appreciate now your open-mindedness labat blue light is the king of the castle when it comes to light beers that i've had though right out the gate you throw it down it's not too watered down, you know. I know it's a light beer, but you still got that flavor at the end, just like a just like a pilsner does, but not like dirty water. Bud Light, <laughs> I'm talking to you, Bud Light. <laughs> you hear me? So yeah, recommendations all around. I think we would very we'd highly suggest if you have a tailgate, if you live in Canada, if you or live anywhere anywhere near the north. Yeah, that they don't has sell it. it a ton down here, so it's, it's only it's in tough. bottles here. Tough to come by. I have my parents, when they come to visit, they normally bring me a 30 rack from up north. Those racks, racks on racks. 30 rack. So they're, it, it's delicious. Go out and try some. Find it on tap somewhere. If you do in the Raleigh area, please reach out to me because, ugh. Or Molson. If that's on draft somewhere, call me. Molson? Molson. Molson. Is that Canadian? Also Canadian. Fantastic. Anyway. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. Thanks for the support of the podcast. Uh, remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so you can stay up to date on all of our content, including the Raleigh Rambler. If you feel so inclined, please rate and leave us a review. It really helps to drive our exposure on a national scale. Don't forget to check out our website, myshotoflife.com, and give us a follow on social media. That's at My Shot of Life on Twitter and Instagram. In addition to iTunes, please check out our SoundCloud and our Stitcher, where we will be posting our episodes each week. Feel free to reach out to us through our various outlets with comments and suggestions on future episode topics, as well as different drinks to try and to rate. Well, guys, we're signing off here, wrapping up nostalgia and... Per usual, let's tap the glass one more time. The can. Feeling nostalgic about it. I'm going to hit the tip with you. I can't really make any noise with this cup, this can. Ding. <laughs> but guys, always remember, when you're out there drinking, drink with your friends. Cheers. Cheers.